Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I was listening to Bill while I was gone, and I really felt like the Holy Spirit um, led me to this message that he had talked about. I kind of want to make our focus this month. I made a little slide for it today um, that it's going to be the month of Acts of Thankfulness. Now, isn't that an interesting way to say it? Acts of Thankfulness. I think that when I was listening to Bill, I kind of, he activates me just as my spiritual father. And and one of the things that he made mention of is that praise is uh, the response to God's nature. You know, one of the things that I love to do is I love to explore not only all the names of the Godhead, Aren't you glad that we know him as a father, as Papa, we're his children. We know Jesus as our Savior, but friend. We know the Holy Spirit as, he's my best friend, the Holy Spirit. I love his presence. I love his voice. I love the way he speaks. I love it that Jesus left him here for us. And then we get to actually expand our lives through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you know the Holy Spirit's end game, but it's just basically to inhabit you and spread you around. Because yes. <laughs> then what's getting spread around? Him, right? So my goal is to teach us all to yield to the Holy Spirit. And when he was talking about praise, he was saying that... Um, when I get a revelation of the nature of God, that sets up a chance for me to encounter Him in a new way. So think about God's nature for a minute. It's actually, God can't act outside His nature. Y'all all know that around here, right? Why would He? Right? Because He's God. So He's not some big distant being in the sky Everything God did was so that I have communion relationally with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so the nature of God is a a basic way to say it's just the way God functions. And so when I begin to learn how He functions, my, my mom is 90 years old. Served God all her life. My dad did too. He just went home to be with Jesus this this last year, this year. What year was it? This year. She's been this year. He was 92. And th- my mom used to say, my little nephew, you know, he he didn't want to, he didn't want to be with Jesus. And he'd say, Well, he's just got all those rules. I remember he used to say that when he was a teenager. And my mom says, Well, it's not rules, it's a plan. Yeah. Right? God has a function and God can't act outside himself and he gave humanity this assignment you're here on assignment from god you're not here to just get married make some children have a picketed fenced lawn that's what they used to say they wanted you're here on assignment from god and your assignment is to think from heaven down to earth I'm going to talk about this here in just a second. My assignment isn't to think from earth to heaven. When I look around earth, 
it's expected that I'm going to see things out of order. When the Holy Spirit came, I'm, I'm just doing a review for all y'all who've been here. When the Holy Spirit came and he saw what? The chaos of the circle. What did it say it was? It was void. That means it's void. <laughs> Dark, murky, right? And what did he say? Let it be. And it was in the heart of God what he wanted to let be on earth. Yes. Not in the heart of man. You are a formation of what was in the heart of God, not reverse. You were formed. You were formed out of the imagination of God. And it says his ruach blew into you, his breath blew into you and you came alive and you were a walking being yeah. with an assignment. Yeah. You don't have to focus on whether you have breath. Yeah. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Now, see, we were in the high altitude and I, it was clear that we had no breath. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at 6,200 feet, you only have 66% oxygen in the atmosphere. and We were way higher than that. And so here in, in my middle America, Oklahoma, right, <laughs> we're at like, what, 1,100,000 1, square foot. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we have 100% pl- breathing capacity, okay? You don't know what it's like, right, when there's not 100% to be able to be, br- to be, be breathed, yeah. right? It changes everything you do. And see, what the enemy loves to do, he loves to present that you're missing something. That's kind of like being not 100% of something, right? Right. Has the enemy ever tried that with you? It's his favorite tactic. You're missing something. You're just not this. You're just not that. And see, your assignment has nothing to do with what people have described. It only has to do with what God has described. God's the creator of you, breathes his breath, gave you this assignment. Now, the cool thing about the Holy Spirit is he anoints what he assigned. Listen, let me help you. God has no obligation to anoint what he did not assign. And he won't. And you want anointing. Anointing gives you favor, gives you access, gives you power gives you ability, gives you everything that you need. And I only can operate in this anointing when I'm aware of who gave it to me. The more you're aware of your assignment, the more you rehearse it, the more you say it, the more you speak over it, the more you speak it out loud, the more you go over and over. And this is my assignment. I will yield to it. I will yield. Then life, as Jesus said, is meant to, to be... What? I came that you might have life and have it what? In abundance. So, thankfulness. I think I have a little tagline there. I didn't even know I put these cool things. Thankfulness. <laughs> thankfulness is an expression of trust that keeps us conscience, conscience, conscious of the presence of God. So, Think about thankfulness for a minute. Now, this is just going to be our focus for September. It should be our focus all the time, right? Yes. Let's, let's, let's read it in, in 
I got tons of scriptures I could read. Can I just tell you all of them, and then you can look them at home tonight. First Thessalonians 5, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14, and 1 Timothy 4, and Ephesians 2. So in case I don't get to just one, because that's usually what happens to us, then Ephesians 2, listen to this. this I'm going to read it in the Passion, okay? It's really great in all the versions. And His fullness fills you. Did you hear that? All of what fills God. This is a cool gig. All that fills God. Do you think God's full? How many feel like God's full? All that fills God, He wants to fill you. Okay, so that basically means you can never run out of gas. You know, we, my, my whole life, going on vacation with all my girls, um, we've rented a van. But this time, they were out of vans. I felt extremely disappointed, and disappointed until I got to the window. And he said, ma'am, we're out of vans, but we have a Cadillac Escalade. Or, or easy, or some Jeep, something. I don't even know what that was. But, and I said, we'll go ahead and take the Cadillac. <laughs> I've never been in a Cadillac, ever. I thought I had a fancy car. Lynn and I were the drivers. It took us 20 minutes to leave the parking lot because we couldn't figure out how to turn nothing on. I mean, I got a pretty nice car, but these these were another level. And we just felt like we rode on a cloud the whole time. So we just drove and drove and drove. But guess what? We had to stop because it wasn't unlimited gas. This is unlimited God. His fullness. He's never going to think about it. You know, I remember when God first started giving me revelation. It's been 30-something years now. I remember I had never had that feeling before where, you know, I was raised in a prophetic home, but I had never personally felt like that God just told me something I didn't know without doing a lot of studying because, you know, that's what we're supposed to do, right? The religious spirit is like, hey, right? Don't you? Oh, oh, I hate the religious spirit. God delivered me from the religious spirit because I could never do enough. I could never get there. And so the moment he gave me something that wasn't without my, with me working, I said, I want this forever. I want this forever. And I literally, in my little pea brain religious mindset, trust me, I've been in church every day of my life, pretty much. I thought I had to work for that. And I realized it came through resting, yielding, resting to what? His presence. Now, that revelation never left me. In all these years, because why? I had this picture that I was resting inside the Holy Spirit. And I can tell personally, it's really rare. I can tell personally if I get out. The Holy Spirit's the canoe. I'm just in it. And I'm like, here's a great thing about my picture is I'm laying flat on my back. All I can see is the sky. I cannot see where we are going. That is against my nature as a human being. I want to know where we're going, what we're doing. I had to give up the desire to know all those things to rest in the revelation of Him. 
And see, that revelation creates encounter. Works doesn't create encounter. Have you noticed works creates more work? So therefore you can't rest. And so this is what he's saying in Ephesians 2. His fullness fills you even though you were once like corpses. Do you remember that? Dead in your sins and offenses. See, he's describing a past life. What's, what changed? They just met Jesus. They came into the doorway of Jesus and deadness is over. Everything that fills God is offered to fill you because of Jesus. Not because of you. That's why I had to be free. Because some of us would be like, hey, I work for this. Hey, let me show you what I did. Let me show you what I read. We would create a theology out of it. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority. Now, this is kind of what I want to talk about today. Y'all can read the rest of that, okay? Because it's really cool. It talks about poetry and all kinds of fun stuff that you are, okay? But listen, here's the goal today. The goal is for us, for me to try to describe to you how to walk in this power. Now, I I like Chris Valentin and Bill. Y'all know we're all connected to Bethel and all that. But I love this little thing that Chris sent out. And I want to steal a little bit from it just to talk today. In life right now, there are three realms. Can I give you a little bit of education on this? Yes. It will really help you. There are three realms. I've, I've even made, see, well, I think I made a slide for this. I did. There are three realms. The first realm is number 15. The first realm is called the first heaven. Now, the first heaven is where? It says it right there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a visible world, the dimension that our five senses are acutely attuned to, the natural realm that we are aware of on a daily basis. So where is the first heaven? On earth. You're in it. Cool, right? Now, we've been talking about Captain Obvious around here for a while. Captain Obvious is the guy who looks at circumstances and just says, that's how it is. And we just state with our creative mouth, the obvious of where it is. That's where I started to say, well, go. We're all introduced to an earth that needs refurnishing, needs remodeling. Pam and I have earned, owned a remodeling business for 32 years now. And my favorite thing is to go into somebody's house. I like it in case she sends me local pictures. So there's a house right now for sale. And in the living room, there's bright red carpet. Come on, let's go to the first bedroom. First bedroom, bright blue carpet. Come on. Let's go over. Second bedroom, bright green. Come on. We got you a marble in the den. We got you over in the sunroom. We got another piece of carpet. Now, see, as a remodeler, remodeler, what's the first thing I'm thinking? Rip that stuff out. I'm not looking at any of those pictures going, should we keep? That's the Holy Spirit. You got these little rooms in your heart, and you're like, hey, Holy Spirit, how about we keep this really cool thing I've built over here? And he's like, yeah, we're going to have to rip that out. (laughs) Right? Right, because 
Otherwise, we won't understand that he's trying to remake stuff. We as human beings would find a rut and we would get in it and we would call it good. You know, the people who can't experience the new move of God are the people who experience the old move of God. Remember what they said when they rebuilt the temple? Remember in Nehemiah's day, they said, wah, 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 it's nothing like the old one. They couldn't appreciate what had been done to rebuild it because they said, the old people said, it isn't as good as the last one. But see, God is on the move. And I, as long as I live, I am going to move with Him. I've been in this all my life. I didn't know prophetic worship was going to sound like it sounds. I think it sounds really good. But I didn't know. I didn't know people could just walk in the room and people say it here all the time and say, that girl's voice, what is it? It's a heavenly melody. Because why? We made room for worship we had never heard of before. The stuff they sing improv, they've never heard of it before. It's a momentary thing. These little ditties I got up here and sang, I didn't go over there. I wasn't on my computer trying to find some lyrics. They come through the unction of the Holy Spirit for the move of the Holy Spirit because He's on the move. He's on the move and He needs something to happen now. And then now. And then now. And now. Because why? He's not sleeping. And so this realm on earth was meant for you to remodel with the Holy Spirit. So you're going to run into people, places, and things. Those are nouns. People, (laughs) places, and things that aren't acting like they should. And you, as the prophetic community, can see it or feel it or know it. Right? Right. And our job as a prophetic community is to train ourselves to give the word of encouragement that calls someone out of darkness. Captain Obvious knows he's in darkness. Right? Right? Have you ever got a prophecy from somebody and it was just a Captain Obvious statement and you're like, yeah, you don't know me. Right? Right? We have to get training. Because what did it say? We've spent, how long have we spent on the spiritual gifts these last few months? Two or three months? What is the goal of all the spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit? To equip, way to go, Chuck. With a loud voice. Equip the saints. To equip the saints. It didn't say equip the sinners. Right? And so, as... My ability to see what's on earth changes. Then I begin to move out of the realm of this first heaven into the third heaven. What's the third heaven? Let's read about that, shall we? Did you want to know that? Yes. He puts this is from Chris. He put this scripture. I know a man in Christ who is 14 years now. Here, let me just tell you what he's saying right there. This is scripture. He's saying that this man was caught up, not here on earth, into the third heaven. What's in the third heaven? The throne. Now, look real quick, since we need proof, I know. Ephesians, I read it earlier. Ephesians 2 again. He raised us up 
with Jesus, the exalted one. Where's Jesus? Do you know it? Yes. Do you, does everyone believe Jesus is in heaven? Yes. See the other right hand. Yes. This is what it said. He raised us up with Jesus. Yeah. So the first verse was what he wanted to fill us with. Right. Now it's our position. Listen, as much as you can become aware of your position in the third heaven, you will have a different experience on earth. The more you're aware of your position on earth and not in heaven, you're going to have a different experience and I'm heaven. Right? Think about it. The activities of God are not decreasing. The, the activities of God... They're not, thank you. They're not decreasing. Why? Because people are becoming equipped. Why? Because the fullness of the gifts of the Spirit have been poured out and people are actually equipping the body now. What did it say about the body? What would they do until all mature immaturity ends? So that tells me I'm immature without equipping. Now I know all the independent folks, y'all don't want that, but I'm just saying. Maturity continues as I'm not equipped. This was to cause all immaturity to end. That's what the Holy Spirit did. You're worth it. Have you ever had kids and you wish their immaturity would end? Have you ever been married and your husband? No, I'm just kidding. No, no, I didn't say it. Easy. Come on. uh. Listen, we're all wanting everyone else to be more mature. That's just the reality of it. So he raises up. And we ascended, sorry, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. I've been preaching on authority for 10 years, and we're now co-seated as one with Jesus. Am I aware? What, whenever, you know, just like in a service, I'm sitting with Jesus and Papa and the Holy Spirit. Just like I said to, did you say your name was Millie? When Millie walked in the door, they all stood up. And I had to look to see what was going on. I was like, why are we all standing? I don't know what's happening. Because they were moved to action. I saw them by her hunger. They stood up and I, it got my attention. It was unusual. Because why? Because I'm aware of where I'm sitting down. It's not a lazy boy position. And see, they need a spokesperson on earth. Think about it. God could come down here and speak audibly. Why didn't he pick that way? Why did he pick people? Come on, think about it. God could step down right here from heaven and be one little tiny toe step. Right? And he could just say anything he wanted to say right here in this room. But see, this is my time of choosing. This is humanity's time to choose. And what you choose here will be rewarded there. So my time to choose to what? To believe that I could speak for him. I have the audacity to believe that he could speak to me. And I could tell somebody what he was saying, and it would be accurate. Why? Because prophecy is meant to encourage, uplift, sustain, 
Mm. Fortify. Oh, oh, oh. Right? So that when you're laying awake at night, and the enemy's saying, you're a loser, because that's the only language he has. He's got the loser language. Right? Have you noticed the enemy never encourages? He just always lists past failures. He always lists stuff that some... You, he tells you people are thinking about you and they're not. He tells you stuff people are saying about you and they weren't even talking about you. Right? All to what? To draw your attention to the natural realm. To the first heaven realm. To become Captain Obvious. Well, no one likes me. No one called me out. Well, no one did this. Captain Obvious. I bet if you would practice, you know, we practice our spiritual gifts around here a lot. But I bet if you would practice identifying what the enemy tells you, then you could practice knowing God's trying to say the opposite through you. It's not real hard. Because we're humans, we're sheep. He knew what we were. He knew what we were. He knew, right? He knew what we were. Come on, I don't have more time for this. This is too much. Okay, real quick. Sorry, I've already run out of time. Dang it. Okay, second heaven is where, remember in Daniel, what did Daniel do? He fasted and prayed, and what happened when Michael came? Do you remember Michael, the archangel? Stepped down from heaven. He said, hey, I'd have been here because I was on my way, right? I was on my way, and I've been caught up in the second heaven, and we were, me and no-name demon, just taking on, just, right? Now, just to help you with a demonic horde, they are outnumbered by at least a third, plus, plus all the humanity that believes they have authority on earth. So there's no match. I don't focus on what demons are doing. All they do is they indicate and confirm to me that I'm doing good. When they say, you idiot, I was like, okay, I'm doing good. Because you wouldn't be telling me that otherwise, right? See, one of the things Bill said about that we're going to talk about this month of thankfulness, he said that Jesus, he was sitting there with a horde of people, I used horde twice in this message, to feed and he held up not enough in his hand and he gave thanks. He was thankful with the not enough and it caused it to multiply. We've been doing this new thing around our house where when we eat, we, were just, we just start going crazy with thankfulness. Because I remember a day when all I had was a banana and some ice cream sprinkles that someone at church had gifted me. And that was all I had to eat. I froze them bananas. I did, I did some creative works with them nanas. Have you ever been in lack? Hold up the lack. Are you in lack right now? Let's practice. Is anybody in lack right now? Let's hold up the lack and say, I thank you for what you will provide. I thank you for what you will provide. I'm holding up my lack. It's not enough for nothing. You see, that's how you operate, simply put, with the right mindset, that the more than enough isn't on earth. Right. It's in your mouth. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. 
It's in, I'm pulling down what I see around all around the throne. People are acknowledging who he is because there's no lack. And he placed you, you're the beloved, the most precious thing that he made. He placed you here and he said, expand it. He didn't mean just make another bunch of humans that didn't know what they were doing. He said, expand the knowledge of who I am through your children. Expand the knowledge of what I want to do through your children. Don't expand lack. Don't expand poverty mindsets. Don't expand rejection. Don't expand, don't expand those things. See, the only way anything expands on earth, whether it be from the demonic or from the kingdom, is through humans. God's not making no more demonic angels. They fell with the loser long ago. The worshiper of heaven, Lucifer, because he wanted to be worshipped. He was jealous of you. He was jealous of your worship. How important is worship? It caused a third of the angels and one of the three archangels to fall because they're jealous of your worship. They're jealous of your, your ability to have this relationship with God that they could not have. But they are way outnumbered. And they haven't been to a heavenly board meeting in a long time. They haven't gotten the last assignments for nothing. Think about how long they've been missing at the board meetings of heaven. Nothing going on good in their heads. That's why they only have counterfeit suggestions. They have no power unless I give it to them. That's why I meant to take this authority that he just said right there he gave me. And see, part of this whole process that we're going to be going through this month is actually beginning to position our hearts. Let me give you a couple real quick slides before Cece comes. There's, these are seven symptoms that you uh, that reveal that you're living from earth to heaven. Number 18. Yeah. You worry a lot. You're earthly minded. Can come on. If you don't if you don't know where you are, can't change it. When you're earthly minded, this is what you do. You feel like a powerless victim and you have a big devil and a little God. Ooh. <laughs> right? We can never make the devil bigger than God. You don't think you have anything to contribute to making the world a better place. Lie. That's a lie. You're convinced that every year the world is getting worse. Another lie. Listen, don't watch the news. If you're a wimp, don't watch the news. I'm a wimp. I don't watch the news. I just watch God. I just watch what God's doing. I care little what the world is telling me that's going on. Because it's not, it's not happening like they're saying. Right? All your prayers are in reaction to bad circumstances. Remember we've talked about this before. What seat are you praying from? If you pray from the seat of fear, nothing's going to happen. Pray from the seat of love. You have no vision for the future and you struggle with low self-esteem and a poverty mentality. That's some signs. It's not all of them. That's good. That should help you, right? Remember, you are made to solve problems. Right? You are made to have heaven's solutions for the problems of the earth. That's what I believe. Do you believe that? 
And so when you see a problem, ask for the solution from heaven's perspective. Real quick, seven symptoms that you're living from heaven down. This is the way we want to live. You believe that God can do the impossible. And you think like he does. We're going to be talking about how he thinks this month. You live with a hundred-year vision and a plan to leave a legacy to your children's children. Now listen, you're going to have to learn to do this because your generation and the generations before you weren't good at this. This is, this is something that was a pie in the sky, right? I can tell you what my 92-year-old dad thought, and it wasn't that. The world's troubles only serve to challenge you to think big and bring God's ideas to the table. It's time to quit ideating, having just these great ideas. It's time to solve some problems. You view devil encounters as a compliment to the fact that you are doing something worth resisting. Thank you very much. And you see these encounters as opportunities to win. How would that look in your life? People talking about you. People not agreeing with what you're saying. People, t- Are you sure? Are you sure? Questioning you that hadn't even been with God two minutes. Right? Right? Five, you know you are a son or daughter of the king, therefore you carry yourself like royalty. The commission to disciple nations positively affects your prayer life and you shape history on your knees. Listen, I'm just telling you, this is a season to get in your prayer closet. I don't know what that looks like for you, but you know, one of the things that we're going to do this month is we're going to have some of that noontime prayer again. Because why? I mean, it just causes us to constantly be more aware. Just try to be thinking of your life. Well, I need to take time out today. Get with somebody in your small group. Get with somebody in one of your ministry houses and say, hey, every day we're going to pray at noon. Uh, Number seven, you look for God's perspective on current events. How good are you at that? Listen, let me help you. If you just listen to Johnny Enlow, Cece listens to him every now and then. He'll set you straight on a whole bunch of stuff. He'll make you, if you have any bad theology, he'll just knock it out of you. And you refuse to let the media or a political or religious spirit shape your mindset or cloud your worldview. So this month we're going to be expanding just the definition of thankfulness. And so I think it would be good for us to take time to be thinking about acts of thankfulness. I think a really super good one is just like today, just be especially thankful to the Holy Spirit for what he did. Go encourage people that received words today, you know, do an act. And and you remember when you got a word, where's Vinton? He remembers the first time he got a word. He had a blue mohawk when he came in here and he remembers when I gave him a word, you know, and that has that begin to to transform his life. And so there's all kinds of ways we can do it. Come on, Cece. She's going to close up. Thank you, Tisa. What a beautiful day. Hasn't it been? It's just so amazing. I'm with Tisa. We could have just stayed up there in that moment the whole time. But I'm grateful that we got to move on because of the message that Tisa brought and all that's on the Holy Spirit's heart. And I wanted to share, I didn't actually plan to share this, but I'm going to give, I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to move and speak, as she said, because 
he, we had another one of these experiences, which is almost every week around here, right? Where Tisa was preparing yesterday and kind of hearing the Holy Spirit for her message. And I was off on my own, doing my own thing, writing through a personal experience I was having. And it turns out I wrote about a practical example of what she was talking about. And then I listened to Cheryl's message from last Sunday, and I was like, well, he was on that too. Like, it's all kind of intermingled. So I'm just going to be vulnerable and practice um, sharing that with you because, you know, one thing about the heart of this house is that we are really, it's really important to us for it to be practical and to be a life lived outside of these walls. That's why it's called One Life here is because we want to live 24-7, live in the same life, believing in God, having the same faith that we do here outside of here and living one life in, in relationship with him. And so I am um, going to venture to say that, you know, most of us leave, leave after these great messages and then we encounter, you know, real life, our, our circumstances in life. And we can have moments where we feel defeated and on and on, right? We don't feel quite so confident and powerful and doubt comes in, fear comes in, all of that kind of stuff. And so what I found yesterday was that I was experiencing an opportunity to practice what Tisa was talking about today. And the way that the Holy Spirit led me through that, I thought might be encouraging to you too. And he, for me, it's always encouraging to see the bigger picture because in this word that I'm going to read, he tells me why it's so important to do these moments well. And I was reminded recently of, I shared this, um, a story about David and Goliath. Remember I was talking about how the Holy Spirit showed me that all the other, the arm, the Israelite army had been there for 40 days listening to the taunts of Goliath, and they knew that they had this incentive, right, that they would get tax-free living and to get to marry one of the king's daughters. And I was like, how did they know have this great incentive that would benefit them and their family greatly and it not do anything for them? And it was David comes along, though, and he's motivated by the greater narrative of what God was doing. He was like, it wasn't about what he could gain personally. He didn't say, man, I'm going to get me a wife. I'm going to get me tax-free living. He didn't say any of that in scripture. He said, how dare you taunt the armies of the living God? Like this just ought not be. And that motivated him to go and actually take down the giant. So there was something there I feel like that the Holy Spirit keeps bringing around to me that our personal gain is sometimes not enough of a motivator. Your personal gain is not enough of a motivator to make you step into his kingdom ways to live out these principles. It's just not. It's weird. We think that we think it would be, but it's sometimes not. And so what the Holy Spirit does for me often, I'm just now putting the pieces together. I don't know when it's happening, you know, but he keeps bringing it around and showing me this is what I'm doing is there's a bigger reason behind what we go through. There's a bigger purpose. There's something more than what we can see in the moment of our circumstances that is important to the kingdom of God. And that is a motivator. When I can see how my personal circumstance, even if it's painful, can be meshed into and be a part of the advancement of the kingdom of God, that's a motivator. And that is what motivated David to go and take down the giant. And so um, I'm just going to start reading and connect a few dots for you. So I was, you know, we were on this vacation, had a great time. And then I kept having these surges of grief and pain come in. And I'm like, why is this happening? Like, I feel like I've been in a pretty good place on this subject. So why is this coming in? So I just started talking to him about it. And as he always does, he leads me. 
um, to his truth and the great um, strategy. So I'm just going to share it with you. And I said, Papa, why does this overwhelming grief and pain and sense of rejection still come in? You have shored me up in so many ways. You have provided a whole community, a whole family of people who love and cherish me. So why does this pain from those who have chosen not to still find its way into my heart? Why do the memories bring up such caustic reminders of their choices? They come up so suddenly and seemingly brand new as if their flame has just been lit for the first time all over again. So much seems unresolved still. Is that why? Is that why the pain still feels so real and persistent in these moments? Is it because I'm still in the middle of the story? Is it because I ha still haven't seen its end when there's safety and comfort and a place to rest in the outcome? I know you say that I can celebrate as if it's already been done. You say that I can look at all of these circumstances from a place of victory, as if I already know the end of the story. I've heard it compared to knowing the final score of a game, but watching it play out on a recorded version. The incomplete passes, the fumbles, and the sacked quarterbacks don't quite pack a punch the same way in that scenario. Now I have to share this little tidbit with you because the Holy Spirit is so good. Papa gave me a sweet little kiss because after I'd gone through this and I'd written all of this, then we were watching a football game later and somebody said, who do you think is going to win and what's the margin going to be in the score? And I didn't feel super confident, but I shouted it out, what I heard, and I was right. I was right. So I called it out. I called the, the margin of the score. They were going to win by three points and who was going to win. And I, I, was, I got it right. I heard correctly. And so I felt like that was a, a cool Holy Spirit um, reinforcement of what he told me earlier because he said, you already know the end of the, the result. I don't, you don't have to wait for the outcome to celebrate it because you already know the outcome is victory. And so he reinforced that by telling me the, the winning score ahead of time. Isn't that cool? I love his ways. So I said, I, I mean, it, just that short little paragraph I wrote, I was already, sh it shifted how I felt. I'm like, I could have been like, close the laptop and just move on. I'm like, I'm good now. Thank you. I'm good. But I always know there's more to it. So I was like, Papa, how can I maintain my view of my life from this position? There's so much relief in it. There's so much rest in it. I know that you have held me all this time and that you even tightened your grip on me. Sorry, pulling me closer. He's so sweet. The night before my world was fractured in this painful way. You have been keeping me safe all this time, even in the most painful circumstance. You have held me close and built a whole life around me to display just how safe and strong you are for me. You have opened my eyes to the strong tower of refuge I have in you. You placed me in the cleft of the rock to keep me safe and have passed by me over and over again with your glory so that I might see the greater reality. I'm going to pause right there because that was a huge nugget that he's been breathing on just since in this past 24 hours and even during worship that there, I went and read that scripture. You know, there's a time when Moses says, please show me your glory. And he says, I'll place you in the cleft of the rock and I'll pass by you and you'll be able to see me. You'll be able to see my glory and my goodness. But I, you know, I liked metaphors. I liked pictures and images that speak to me about this. And in that moment right there, I realized that, that we get the benefit 
right, of seeing his glory repeatedly. Moses was in the Old Testament. He just got to see his glory displayed like that once. But if you know anything, and this is a whole, this could be like 500 messages about this story of Moses, right? There's so much, and I'm, I'm looking forward to digging into it deeper. But, but he says, um, please show me your glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. For I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show compassion, loving kindness on whom I will show compassion. Now, in verse 21, this is Exodus 33, and verse 21 says, listen to this, the Lord said, behold, there is a place beside me, and you shall stand there on the rock. There is a place beside me, and you shall stand there on the rock. Now, I hope you know that the rock represents Jesus. Because of Jesus, we don't have just a temporary one-time positioning where his glory passes by. We get to stand beside him on the rock of Jesus, right by God, right by the eternal, right by the eternal one, by Jehovah. We get to stand there. That's an everyday experience for us because of Jesus, not a one-time thing. And he said, so behold, there is a place beside me and you shall stand there on the rock. And while my glory is passing by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and protectively cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Now, in this, for this purpose, I felt like this, again, with God was just reminding us that this is meant to be the place we live from. You see, it's just a different angle on what Tisa brought today. We aren't, she brought it through the third, first, second, and third heaven and all of that. But this was just another way he's telling, he was saying, you get to stay in the cleft of the rock. And there's, oh my gosh, there's so much, the cleft in the rock representing the side of Jesus and the water flowing that, which speaks to the peace like a river, which we read about today. I mean, I could get really riled up, but we'd be here for, for a few more hours. So it's all, it's all connected. Okay. It's all connected. So, (laughs) and it's beautiful, but we get to live from that position. We get to live from that position. Now, before I I move on from there too, I want to share what in Exodus 34, when this moment took place, it says, then the Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with Moses as he proclaimed the name of the Lord. Can you imagine that? God himself is proclaiming the name of the Lord. I mean, talk about a moment where God is just like, this is who I am. This is who I am. This is who I am. He says, then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, faithfulness, keeping mercy and loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Did you not hear him say that today in this service, in these prophetic words that were read, both of them, several of them, multiple times, in the songs that were sung? This is his expression over us. It was a one-time experience from Moses, but it was a, it's an everyday experience where God is saying, this is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am, this is who I am to you. So Papa began to speak when my time with him, and he said, daughter or son, my sweet one, he calls me his bright delight, and you can take that for yourself, my bright delight, this home, this cleft in the rock, right, I've made for you is not a temporary vacation spot. 
It's meant to be your forever home, the one I always intended for you. I have all you need in this place where my glory is sustained and shines its light on every circumstance you face. There is no shadow of turning here, no place for fear or pain to hide, no place for trauma to rise. Here, my glory filters out all the negativity, all the smoke and mirrors, all the lies and deceit. Truth is seen in its supreme state from this glory place. Talk about a place of victory, right? And so that image in my mind, when I think of his glory, the first thing I see is light. It's just this beautiful, golden, glorious light, right? And so he's, this imagery is so helpful to me because he's saying it's not that there is no pain. It's not that there aren't painful circumstances, that there aren't, there is a real war going on. There is harm. There are, there are problems in the world, right? As Tisa said today, there are things that are not as they should be. But when you view that through with the light of his glory, if you're positioned in the cleft and his glory is passing by in front of you and everything you see is through that, then it's going to look different. It's going to look different than when you're not in that position. And so there's no, there's no shadow of turning here. That's because one thing for me is that throws me off and makes me feel unsafe is when I'm doing really good, I'm feeling good, and then all of a sudden my soul just dives down and I feel like I'm under a thousand pounds of weight. I don't like that roller coaster ride. I don't like that. I don't like roller coasters. Okay. I want to stay positioned in a place of safety and security in my emotions, in my soul. And so that there's no shadow of turning here. There's no place for fear or pain to just hide and jump out at you all of a sudden when you're in the cleft of the rock. And there's no place for trauma just suddenly to rise up and remind you of the pain that you went through. There's no place for that in the cleft of the rock with his glory. His glory filters out all the negativity, all the smoke and mirrors, all the lies and deceit. And see, that's what really happens when we are out in the world, as Tisa said, and we begin to shift into that first heaven perspective where we see the world like Captain Obvious through natural eyes. And we don't, I think, and sadly, we don't recognize it happening as early as we could you know, so I'm going along, I'm on vacation and all of a sudden I see this and that brings up this memory and that brings up this thought. And the next thing I know, I've heard like 10 lies about how hopeless the situation is. And, the, and I, and I can't even, it's happened in a matter of seconds or minutes. Right. And so he comes, he, he let me just continue reading. He said, you must come to truly and fully believe that my reality is true not just an optional view. It's not a selective state like some alternate reality, which I'm just telling you, I saw another movie last night about this alternate reality stuff. It's just a ploy of the enemy. (laughs) It's not a thing. It's not a thing. There is one reality. There is one supreme God. There is his truth, and that is an absolute truth. Everything else is manipulated. And so because I wasn't raised in that, I think that's why I shift into it. I don't recognize that my view has started to shift. I mean, that happens for all of us. It's just part of the journey. But um, I, for me, I can str- tend to struggle in an area where I was literally taught, I was raised by an atheist, so I was taught that what you saw was real and that you were just hiding from reality if you believed in something better. In fact, don't even get your hopes up because you're just deceiving yourself if you get your hopes up. That was a predominant message when I was raised. So I can hear those lies coming and just kind of slip into thinking that they're true 
because that's how I, that was my, my, my default, you know, the way I was raised. And so um, he's saying here, there, we've got to recognize that his reality is true. It's not just an alternate reality where things are just different and you are deluding yourself if you choose to believe in a more positive one. It's not that. When you choose my view, you are not choosing to ignore another of equal, equal value. You are being unblinded and unveiled when you choose his view. The torment is being lifted so that you can see the truth. Every other view is filled with manipulating spirits that use many methods of blinding and distorting reality. She read that in Ephesians, right? When you choose to see from the light of my glory, you choose to see clearly. That view is the most real. It doesn't matter if the majority of the world around you insists that the distortion somehow reveals truth. And it doesn't matter if so many others choose to stay seated in a world of smoke and mirrors. Dark and deceiving spirits have permission to operate in this world, in the first heaven. You know this to be true. You don't doubt their existence and operation, so why would you consider the reality of a life influenced by them? Why would, you, why would I consider a perspective that's influenced by them? He said, daughter or son, I am building your foundation of truth. This is where the greater purpose comes in. I know that you were not taught this, that you were raised to believe in a different way entirely. I'm reinforcing those places, those cracks that allow distortion to sneak into your perception and operation in this life. Now, I just have to reinforce, make sure you all are still with me. The, per, the point here is he's saying we can stand on the rock in the cleft with his glory lighting what we see 24-7 all the time. Certain things come in, we forget that, we shift out of that, we don't recognize it, and we get into one of those soul battles like Cheryl shared on, on last Sunday. And so this is just another way of addressing that about staying in the real thing is the spiritual battle. It's a spiritual matter. And so why does this happen? Why does he allow that to come up and happen in the first place? Why does he allow us to just slip? I'm like, I've, I've given it all to him. I'm fully devoted. You know, everything is for him, but it still happens. So why does that happen? And he tells us here, I am reinforcing the places, these cracks that allow distortion to sneak into your perception and operation in this life. I set the boundaries of your life, the times and places, because I have called you to be a foundation builder of my kingdom on earth. Now, this is true for the ecclesia. If you're in this room, this is true for you, okay? This is true. I've called you to be a foundation builder of my kingdom on earth. You must be able to skillfully delineate between the fallen world and my kingdom to do this. You must be able to identify perspectives that are influenced by delusion. You must be able to recognize when decisions are being made to accommodate worldly influences that are meant to be countered and replaced with kingdom influences. Your ability to do this is critical to your purpose and destiny. I am devoted to equipping you for this. So we must practice with your own experiences in this life. That's the thing right here to take out of here. When you go out and you get back into your routine of normal life, if you encounter one of these types of moments where all of a sudden you're under, he's just asking you to practice with your own personal experiences to get back into the cleft of the rock and see through his glory. He says, uh, so you must practice with your own life experience. I have called you to have precise vision. 
a vision that separates soul from spirit, joint and marrow, well able to cut like a scalpel and perform spiritual surgery. The building of my kingdom in this kingdom age requires this. It is essential to its advancement in this designated time. This is the big picture overarching, the true motivator for what's going to help you do this successfully in your day-to-day life. So come to me with all that sneaks past the gates of my truth in you. Bring me every moment that stings, that causes that surge of fear or trauma. I will reveal the fault line that needs reinforcement. I will reveal the breach in my protection and provision for you. This process will transform all the low blows and unexpected stinging arrows into prophetic displays of purpose and plans for you. You will revel in these moments, experiencing the victory you have heard of in tangible ways. Who wants that? I mean, who wants to experience tangible victory in your life in those circumstances? I want that. I want that so bad. You will revel in these moments, experiencing the victory you have heard of in a tangible way. You will come to know of my power, my strength, my provision, my supreme authority, and most of all, the victorious glow of my glory. That's the description of your next moment when you get under, okay? Remember that when you cut, when you leave here and you start having a conversation or you get some news or a text or something like that and you get under, That's what this is talking about. It's an opportunity to know his true power, strength, authority, et cetera, to be able to see. It's an opportunity right there. You will become so familiar with the color, hue, and vibrant light of my glory shining that everything else will be pale in comparison. I want to view life like that. I want to know when I'm seeing through that glorious golden hue of, of his glory And I want it to be so distinct that when I see that the black and white, I can recognize it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. I can turn away from that. I want that. I'm going to have that. I'm going to have that. Daughter, son, I have called you my bright delight for more reasons than you know. This brightness I speak of is an intrinsic part of your design that will fulfill my purpose in you. As you resolve the discrepancies of this light within you, You will naturally walk in your purpose, fulfilling all I've called you to in this life. Your childlike design, right? We're all meant to enter the kingdom as children. Your childlike design will make even more sense. After all, a child tells it like it is, without filters or favoring or fear of man. A child rests in their knowing of truth and has no reason to hide or filter or alter it. That's you. That is you. You will be bold as you rest in your truth. You will be bold as you rest in your truth. So I will build my truth in you so that you may rest in my design of you. Isn't that good? That is a promise that we can receive. The promise that we can receive. So Papa, I just want to say thank you today. Thank you for your faithful, faithful fathering. Thank you that you're so faithful to prepare us and equip us and train us and give us opportunities to grow in strength and to recognize 
when we've slipped out of those places that you have provided for us. I thank you that you've declared that so many years ago to Moses that there is a place beside you and we can stand on that rock and we can stay there because of Jesus. We can experience your glory and see our all of our life, all of our circumstances through the light of your glory every single day. It's not a one-time experience. It's an everyday experience. Behold, there is a place beside me and a rock for you to stand on. We just received that today. We received that reminder. We just received that reminder today, Papa, that you are so good. You pre-planned to provide that rock for us and that place for us and that cleft in the rock. You, it is your desire and your, your greatest desire for us to be brightened with the light of your glory. You want to reveal yourself to us. You want to shine with your goodness before us and have it be the filter through which we see everything in this natural world. So I thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid to position us in such a way to make this possible in our lives every single day. I thank, the, thank you that is because you were even crucified and died on the cross and resurrected again, that even we can see the face of God now. Moses couldn't have that, but we get to see the face of God and the glory of God gets to be our light in this life. So we thank you. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. And we love you. We love you. We love you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would seal this message up in the hearts and minds and souls and spirits of each person that has heard this message. I pray that you would make it personal, that you would make it practical, that you would speak to them through dreams and visions of how to instill this truth in them, and that this would be a building up day, an equipping day where we take an elevated step up and we never look back. We never go back to living in a different way. I thank you that you were with us through every step and stage of the journey, and that is your joy. It is your joy to father us. So we love you and we can't say it enough. We will thank you. We will thank you even in the moments of lack. We will thank you when we are, we feel oppressed. We feel fear come in. We feel trauma try to rise up. We will thank you in those moments because we will be returning right back to the cleft in the rock and getting to see our circumstances from a position of victory. We will thank you. And that is how we will practice thankfulness, even in our moments of lack even in our moments of light, because we will remember the position that you made for us and the provision you've given us of your light, of your glory. You're so good. You're so good, Papa. We love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. 